what does quantum mechanics tell us about the world? This is a question that we've already asked on this podcast, and you might say, I have the answer. David Wallace told us it's the Everett interpretation. We live in a branching multiverse. But today we're going to present a very different view on things. Our guest is Rudiger Schack. Rudiger is a professor of mathematics at the Royal Holloway University of London. He spends his time working at the coalface of quantum mechanics on problems in quantum information and quantum cryptography. But he's also, along with Carlton Caves and Chris Fuchs, one of the originators of a very different way of interpreting quantum mechanics, cubism. You might recall from the discussion with David Wallace that key to understanding what quantum mechanics tells us is the measurement problem, the apparent collapse of the wave function when measurements are taken. Now, in common with uh, David, Rudiger believes there is no measurement problem, but he believes that for very different reasons. David thinks that everything happens. Um, Rudiger thinks that actually when a measurement is taken, there is a collapse in the wave function, but that, that's not a problem because the wave function doesn't represent an underlying state of reality. It just represents the state of your knowledge. It's an epistemic object. So when you take a measurement, of course your knowledge updates. That's discontinuous, but it's not mysterious. What I really enjoy about this conversation is that it's a very fresh take on understanding quantum mechanics. And it also draws in um, insights from phenomenology and continental philosophy from people like Merleau-Ponty. Now, for someone trained in the analytic tradition, such as myself, this is unfamiliar territory, and it's really fun to explore. And that's what I hope to get from this podcast ways of exploring different worlds and different conceptions of the world. I'm James Robinson. This is Multiverses. Rudiger Schack, thank you so much for joining me on Multiverses. It's a pleasure. So about... I think around 20 years ago, uh, you embarked on a program with some others to create a new interpretation of, of quantum mechanics, a new way of understanding what it's telling us. So that would have been about 80 years after quantum mechanics first emerged as a, as a theory, and 80 years over which it's been incredibly predictively successful. So my, my first question is, what is it about quantum mechanics that despite all that predictive success motivated you to think, well, we still need to do some thinking to understand what it is that quantum mechanics tells us. What's difficult about quantum mechanics in, in that sense? Well, that's a big question. First of all, you almost mentioned the enormous predictive success. And I mean, we all agree that quantum mechanics is the most successful theory that physics ever has come up with or has, has, has um, um, yeah, created. On the other hand, these now 100 years have seen discussions on the meaning of quantum mechanics, which have never stopped and in some ways never made much progress. So while on the one hand, quantum mechanics is, well, you could, is, is, has enormous predictive power, on the other hand, people... Well, there's still the same discussions about what it means of, about how to interpret quantum mechanics that, well, we had 50 years ago, 80 years ago, etc. So that is one, one, one background. 
there's something more specific. Um, myself, and that's only, but it's partially true also for, for, for Chris Fuchs. It's, it's true for Carl Caves and myself, because the, the cubism this, this arose from this very fruitful early discussion, discussions between Carlton Caves, Christopher Fuchs and myself in Albuquerque. We were thinking about the meaning of probability and the interpretation of probability and were very dissatisfied with the with frequentists or or let's say objective interpretations of probability because they well they get you stuck in 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 statistical mechanics so the interpretation of probability was for me the first well the first step towards thinking about the interpretation of quantum mechanics now we all know that quantum mechanics probability is is a um what well, uh, quantum mechanics is a probabilistic theory probability plays a, so the central role in, in quantum mechanics and i think i believe what ed jane said that it's i mean i'm probably just paraphrasing him, uh, there's no hope understanding quantum mechanics before you actually understand probability. And so my thinking of probability was what we first, uh, what, what got me started first on thinking about quantum mechanics in this way. Okay, interesting. And, and I guess to kind of give a little summary for, for listeners who might not have caught, there's a previous episode with, with David Wallace where we go, um, into some more detail on the kind of fundamental difficulties at the heart of quantum mechanics. But, but as you allude to, they're, they're around probability and, and maybe more specifically, you kind of have two laws. If you, if you open kind of an elementary textbook on quantum mechanics, um, you might find something saying, okay, you've got two kind of equations of motion, if you like. One is a very um, familiar sort of wave equation, which is saying, everything's evolving quite smoothly. You have some states that are obeying this wave equation. Very nice. And then there's another rule, which is kind of where the probability comes in, which says, oh, when you when you do something, when you try and measure something, you need to take your states from your first equation and apply something called the Born rule, which kind of collapses them down. And I, I guess it's that, you know, it's that, almost dichotomy or, or, or the fact that we have two rules, one which looks to physicists quite familiar in that it's a wave equation, and one that looks quite unfamiliar in that it seems to demand that the observer is playing an important role. And, and when they are taking a measurement, suddenly there's a, there's, a, there's a new rule that's applied. And it seems that this is where cubism has something quite interesting to say. So you know, in short, what is what does the cubist say about um, what is your kind of the program view on on what's going on here? Well, in this, if you if you look at this dichotomy of these two uh, elements of the quantum formalism, then cubism, I think, is at exactly the opposite point of the spectrum for many worlds, where uh, in, in many worlds the main focus is on the wave equation, on the what's called the unitary evolution or the the uh, the, the law of evolution of the state vector 
And in, 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 uh, in Cubism, we de-emphasize this very strongly. This is actually not an important part. Uh, it's certainly not the starting point. And what, of course, it's, it's important in many ways, but it's not, it's, it's not fundamentally, foundationally important, the, 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 uh, the uh, deterministic time evolution of the, of the, of, of the wave factor. Um, instead, the starting point for Cubism is the, is, is measurement. And just to, 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 so just, just that part, which in, in, in standard formulations would be uh, associated with something like collapse of the wave function, etc., which is not, which is not the term that we, in which we actually use. So it's, it's, it's measurement that's the starting point. Of course, you then immediately would ask, well, what is measurement? And um, you also mentioned the observer. Now, cubists, you will notice, never speak of the observer. We actually talk, right. we prefer to talk about agents instead. That is, uh, that, that, that is important because observer, so we have, we're still talking about measurement, right? In, in, in a measurement, if you talk about an observer that uh, suggests that the measurement, that the observer just observes something that already exists. And measurement very often, I mean, if you think of measuring the length of an object in everyday language, you of course think, well, your object has a length and I'm just measuring it and, 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 and determine it. And an observer uh, also so reinforces this picture of measurement as, as discovering, finding something that already exists. Um, in, in cubism, uh, a measurement is always an action. It's an action right. that... An agent, let's say, if it is a quantum measurement, is a physicist taking an action on some system. The the agent participates in the bringing about a measurement outcome. So it's not discovering a pre-existing a pre-existing measurement outcome, but the act of measurement participates in the creation of the outcome. And what the quantum formalism gives us, now just a nutshell of cubism says about the quantum formalism, the quantum formalism, quantum mechanics, the rules of quantum mechanics serve as a guide to action. They guide the agent in their actions. Brilliant. And, and, and so I want to pick up firstly on, on, on something you measured right at, mentioned right at the beginning there, which is that yeah, the, the emphasis for kind of many worlds in, in interpretation is is on the wave function and, you know, that's unmysterious, whereas this perceived collapse, uh, and I agree, I don't think there is a collapse, is, is the thing that um, needs careful thought. Whereas on the cubist perspective, well, this perceived collapse is entirely to be understood as a function of just our Bayesian updating, I think, right? So once you are, you know, when you are preparing your experiment, you're anticipating that you're going to find something. You don't know what it is. And of course, it makes sense that when you find it, there's a kind of discontinuous movement in, in your beliefs. And I think that's the key thing, obviously, for Cubists, that the movement, the change that's happening is not a change in the world. It's not a change in a objective fact about the world. Um, there's no collapse of some object, a wave function. Rather, there's an updating of, of, of our beliefs, if, if I understand it correctly. And I think that's quite... What's interesting to me is in, 
is in some ways both the many worlds interpretation and the cubists want to say there is no measurement problem, right? They say that for very, very different reasons, but I think there's an agreement that there's not an issue there with measurement. The many worlds go a sort of hyper-realist route where they say, well, the, the wave function is so real that all the different things that it's telling us do occur. Whereas the cubists say almost the opposite. The wave function is is not an element of reality at all. And reality is somehow co-created, I guess, between the agent and the quantum system. But it's not a pre-existing thing that we can read off about the world. Is, is that a mm. fair kind of reinterpretation it's or summary? Not, yeah, it's not bad. I, I think I think that's pretty pretty accurate. So um you clearly did your homework. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. The yeah, I would I, I would say that was a pretty good characterization also of the difference between the two approaches. The um but so what cubism isn't doing okay what you mentioned the well imp- the predictive power or the success of quantum mechanics as as a predictive tool cubists would say as a guide to action, which in which in is well for us is an important difference. But in in any case, it gives us it it allows us to manipulate the the world to 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 uh, to also to make predictions, uh, to build devices, to do experiments, all kinds, and in, in in a way that was that was what was never done before. The the step that what you call realist, well, hyper-realist or whatever, what, what most innovations of quantum mechanics do, they actually take the mathematical objects, formulas, the measurable ob- object of quantum mechanics, of the theory, and, well, I would say then, then they mistake them for the reality. If you, if you see what, what, what people are actually doing when they're using quantum mechanics, well, you would say they're using this formalism for prediction, I would say they're using it as a guide for action, but anybody who uses it who uh, and people who use it are the ones who actually, who who turned it into this very, very successful thing. The, the success is measured by what you can do with it. Nowhere is it necessary or even, I think, suggested that these mathematical constructions you have, they are, um, that they correspond to something in the real world. So that is an additional step you're taking. You're saying you have a very successful theory. It has all kinds of abstract objects. It manipulates. So these must be somehow correspond to real things out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, some, sometimes this is called reification, reification of, of, of things of, of things to use. Now, this is something that many worlds is doing and something that cubism isn't doing. Yeah, I think that's a really important distinction to get out there. and. I mean, I, I, I first want to say that I think it seems to be a common misconception of cubism that it is not realist at all, but I think it's just not realist about quantum states in, in, in particular. So, And as you say, the kind of laws that we have uh, under the cubist perspective, um, I've seen them often described as, as normative. So 
rather than being laws of nature that are describing some underlying reality, they are laws that we should seek to follow um, if we want to um, sort of uh, get on well with the world, as it were. So they're, they're, they're guides to action in, in, in that they're normative. I, I guess my where I struggle here, because I think that all makes sense, but where I struggle is the realist picture in general gives a good reason for why we should follow um, those laws. So they, they say, well, they're not normative. <laughs> they're, they're actually reading off some facts about nature. And and I'd say, you know, we could sort of make this normative movement for any theory of, of physics. We could take, you know, Newtonian physics of, of billiard balls and say, well, actually, um, you know, Newtonian mechanics is not telling us something about the real world. It's just telling us how we short, how we should set our beliefs about what's going to happen in, uh, you know, games of snooker and in uh, planetary motions. But it's not actually telling us um, that there are, you know, forces out there and, and, and so forth. And then I think my move there and, and, and my move with uh, quantum mechanics is to say, well, look, if these are giving us such a good guide to action, what what is the reason for that? And and maybe the reason is that there's something about that guide that is catching or capturing elements of reality. I mean, this is just, I've restated in very long format, you know, inference to the best explanation or abduction, right? And that, you know, if you have a theory that's working really well in some predictive sense, maybe the best explanation of that is that it's actually capturing something real about the world. How, big question, <laughs> how, how does cubism think about that? That's an interesting question. Here's one take on it. So you, how do we, how do we, I mean, how do we know what, why, why do we describe the world in terms of forces and particles, etc.? Ultimately, because that works extremely well. So we, we, we have done experiments and we have physics is, is, is an experimental science. So all the theories, the, 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 um, the terms we use to, 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 do, to do physics, like forces, particles, mass, etc., they, we all use them because they work extremely well. So, and now you're asking, now you're trying to explain why they work well. Well, from it seems to be circular to me, right? Because you you postulate or you actually come up with these theoretical constructs because they work well, and then you say, now I understand why they work well because this is how the work is. So I think that it's somewhat circular and doesn't and doesn't give you much. Cubism, on the other hand, is more direct. We actually we have so to 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 actually say something more clearly that you also mentioned the cubism believes that the, the 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 rules of quantum mechanics tell us something about reality so 
the world has a property which makes this these particular rules a good normative principle, a good a good guide for action. So often, um, cubists say that this is some 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 this is the kind of realism that 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 cubism aims for. It's saying something about the world and um, and. The the, the the rules of quantum mechanics understood normatively, understood as answering the question, how should I act? They actually are, if you want, a, um, a, a, a real feature, a feature of the real world. So, and asking, well, so in that sense, I, I, I believe the answer cubism gives to why does the work is more direct because the, the, the world has a, a feature which which says that if you if you follow these rules you will be successful and it's objective so I, I, I don't know uh, whether I want to go want to necessarily call this a, a form of realism it's certainly an objective rule in the sense that everybody mm-hmm. can use it so unlike a quantum state which I mean we are should be going to get to this point, a quantum state or probability in cubism is always one agent's personal subjective belief. The rules of quantum mechanics are objective in that any agent can use them. In that sense, they say something about the world. I'm slightly cautious here only for, for the following reasons. For the following reason. So, uh, Cubism understands itself as a realist project in 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 the sense that it wants to actually learn something about the world. It wants it wants to find out what the world is like. That is, I believe, much harder to do than if you if you are a well a standard realist where the world just consists of certain objects. You have a third person view of them, having coming up with a with a Say on an on ontology in that takes the agent where where the agent, where the subject and the object both are central, is hard, and there are some philosophical that, so there are philosophical or areas areas of philosophy that try to answer the same question. There's there's pragmatism, but mm-hmm. in particular there's phenomenology and recently we have been mm-hmm. in, in 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 a very fruitful dialogue with phenomenologists now phenomenologists would actually not uh, say would would not describe the quantum formalism as a feature of reality because they are even sort of even more radical they want to just start the entire project from 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 building it up from the phenomena so that something like the quantum formalism would come later and would not be described in their view as a real as 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 an, a pre-existing part of reality so this is why i qualify this slightly but um, I, I certainly would say that the quantum formalism is objective and um, it's 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 uh, and it gives us a cro- cro- because it's normative, it gives us a very direct answer of why it works, because that is an objective rule which says something about the world, which um, tells us directly what to do. And 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 so, therefore, yeah, <laughs> we might say long-winded okay, yeah, I... answer to that question. 
<laughs> no, I, I, I think I'm. I, th- I think I'm understanding the the, the position, and uh, maybe to con- contrast it with the kind of more standardly realist picture, which would be something like you have these rules, uh, and then we need to look sort of further than them for the objects that they you know seem to suggest exist, and those are the objects that we're going to place our faith in as as kind of members of of reality. And it seems, and I might be mischaracterizing here, but that the cubist is saying something like, no, we have the rules. The rules are are real. The rules are objective. We can all obey them. But don't try to look further than that. And maybe that's why you say it's a much more direct explanation. Does that ring true or... And I know, by the way, that, yeah. No, the, the, uh, here's, here's the first time I actually really, really disagree with you. I would not say don't look further. The whole project of formal, I mean, cubism okay. has, maybe, maybe cubism has three, three big, big projects. One is interpret, the quantum, uh, interpret quantum mechanics, and we've done that. We've actually, we, 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 we understand and we can say exactly what every term in quantum mechanics means and how it's used. So it's an interpretation of quantum mechanics. The second bit is, derive quantum mechanics from simple principles. And that would right. give us actually more more also insight for why it works, etc. So that's a, that's an ongoing project and there has been a lot of progress has been made there and is being made, but it's 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 certainly not complete. And then there is the uh, the, the, the biggest project. Go beyond go beyond just the quantum formalism. Tell us what it tells us about the world. So I, right. I, we okay. do not want to stop there. We want to understand what the world is like. And actually, we have, we, we have very clear ideas of, of, of what that should look like. The, uh, in, in, in that respect, philosophically, uh, so sort of going beyond the quantum mechanics, the biggest difference between quantum mechanics and, sorry, between cubism and most other interpretations of quantum mechanics is that, well, in cubism, describes a, well, it's often called a participatory view of the world. Um, Agents participate in creating the universe, which implies, and this is an important part of it, the universe is unfinished. It's not not just there. um, It does not afford an outside outside view. There's no God's eye view of the world. There's no third-person view of the world because it's an unfinished thing. And in that sense, it's a, it's I think a much more well, it's a much better view of the world. It's a much more interesting view of the world. I regard something like many worlds as rather sterile. You've got, I mean, think of it. You have what's your ontology? What is is ultimately the world? It's a state vector which is well sits in an abstract Hilbert space, and it evolves according to a deterministic. Um, equations. So it's sen- essentially, it's all it's all there. Once you once you have a snapshot of the thing at one time, you can actually follow it backwards and forwards, and and the entire entire universe is just sitting there in front of you. It's a static view of the universe, whereas cubism points to a a, a well um, to a to a view of the world that is an unfinished world. A world where every system has autonomy. 
So, but by, by, see, we have a, here, here's, here's, here's another shot at the, at the fallacy that comes from identifying the objects of your theory with the whole thing, with everything, mm-hmm. with, 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 with the world. Um, um, so, because I just, before I only uh, mentioned one aspect of this, which is that you have these uh, mathematical constructs and they're very successful. And so you think, oh, that must correspond to things in, in the world. You can actually go one step further and say, oh, it's so successful. Therefore, they must be all there is that in the world. And right. he was, I think, is quite, quite, quite culpable of that. They say it's so successful. Therefore, the, all the world is 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 this is this big big, uh, big uh, wave function. Whereas cubism says, well, there is actually no evidence for that at all. We uh, and, and cubism says whenever we use quantum mechanics to uh, to well to model or to um, to make predictions or to act on a quantum system, we only ever capture certain very well prescribed aspects of that. It's never the whole thing. We're not saying the wave function you write down for a system just in some sense captures everything about the system. And we, we will say that every system we, we, we approach in this way, we apply quantum mechanics to, has autonomy. So the, this is where the state we ascribe to the system, well, it's not we ascribe to the system. It's not a description of the system. It just captures our expectations of what we would experience uh, when we, well, what we will experience when we act on the system. It leaves the system its its autonomy. So the world is, a, I think, a far more interesting, a far more open and dynamic place than any third person view can capture, according to cubists. So all this was was an answer to your suggestion that cubism wants to stop there at the let's okay. say at the level of making predictions. Like, no, we don't want to stop. We want to go far beyond that. <laughs> good, good. Okay, so I'm glad that uh, it's more ambitious than I. Yeah, and I and I think I had that flavor. So maybe I was being a little bit provocative there, and I, I mean, you, you mentioned a lot of interesting things there. I, I want to pick on. I first just want to say, I guess the, you know, on the sterility of the many worlds, I mean, certainly it's completely de- deterministic under the many worlds or the universe under the many worlds interpretation is completely deterministic. Uh, and I guess just very briefly, their response would be something like, well, all the interesting things like agency, you know, are real, you know, features of the world in as much as they're very, you know, you know, powerful patterns of explaining things, and that kind of gives them legitimacy in your in your theories. Um, but they're, they're they're emergent, and I think that's maybe an interesting, again, point of difference here, where perhaps what the cubist is saying is, well, actually, it's fundamental to our way of understanding things that if you look at quantum mechanics, the agent is really, uh, you know does feel like an important element of that. And it's not one of these weird mathematical elements that just we can't figure out how to sit within reality. But it's naturally telling us that agents are playing an important role, again, in the kind of co-creation or, or you know, uh, in this 
participatory realist picture of things. And therefore, we need to give agents a kind of not just emergent status, but like a kind of fundamental ontic status, to use a term of art. It is that so it is agenthood, I guess, one of the things in the cubist picture that is playing an explanatory role or or is an agent just another emergent feature of the world or is it not such a simple dichotomy i think it's neither in the sense it is simple so quantum mechanics is and let's say physics in general from a cubist perspective is as we mentioned before a guide to action and mm -hmm. so it is a a well as a guide to action for agents uh, so that means that within quantum mechanics agents well here's here's something so it's it's in a sense it's an addition to decision theory quantum mechanics. It's not it's not describing the world. So it's not mm -hmm. it's 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 not it's not a theory that describes how agents emerge. For instance, if you want if you wanted to um, to, to, to 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 ask this question, you can you can ask questions like that. But they they always have a different flavor. They always so quantum mechanics. Would always gives you give you um, uh, well if you can you can apply it to 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 uh, to other agents well obviously because quantum mechanics can be applied to any system but you always need to need to uh, need to uh, remember that when you apply when I apply quantum mechanics to some other agent or so that all I'm doing is I'm just using the formalism to quantify and 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 um and organize my expectations upon well acting on that system that other agent so that's what the that's what the role of quantum mechanics is and therefore it's quite limited in that way uh, asking asking to define agent within quantum mechanics is in that in, in, in that view, akin to asking, well, if somebody uses probability theory or classical decision theory, well, before that goes off the ground, first you need to define agents within probability theory, user of the theory. Mm -hmm. So they're just different categories. The user of the theory so, is... Yeah, so I, I if I'm getting this right... Sorry. Um, no, no, I didn't. I, I actually didn't even know how to finish the sentence. So that's, that's <laughs> I, I, maybe I'm doing you a favor. I, I, I have the same <laughs> myself often. I, I wish that sometimes I would be interrupted as my thoughts trail off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I guess then, yeah, I, I think that, as you say, you, you, you can apply. So under the Cubist perspective, you can actually apply you know, quantum mechanics to, to agents. But I guess you can never completely remove all agents from the picture because there's always someone doing the the quantum mechanics as it were and and that's I, I guess key to this maybe that's one of the things as you're pointing to with phenomenology that is falling out where you're saying okay here the structure necessarily is or, or at least under this which we think is our best interpretation of quantum mechanics 
the structure of the world is such that you know there is no objective in the term of god's eye view of reality mm. there's always um you know our most fundamental theory uh our best theory at least of the world is one which i don't know if it demands agents but a lot of the sort of interesting experimental results actually if you want to apply that theory <laughs> which we do it 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 demands agents uh, and it demands at least one agent who's, you know, preparing experiments. It, and I'm not sure, this is probably why you need to interrupt me. I'm happy to interrupt you. Uh, there is, well, again, quite a number of things which I might say here. In phenomenology, um, well, one, one of the important well, I mean, the starting point is that there is no there's no way to understand a subject without without the world or without the object. No way to understand the object without the subject. They're always they're always they're always caught in different aspects of the same underlying fundamental thing. Of what in the I think no matter how you then describe this any further, they cannot be separated. So there's no yeah. there's no third person um, uh, no third person view of the world, but there's also no uh, independent. So the agent is also never just right. in itself without the world. Right. Uh, there are two there are two poles or two aspects of the same of the same underlying thing. So when you you at least twice, or probably twice, mentioned this idea whether not there should be at least one agent, and that is the idea of just there being one agent is very far from from from, from cubism. Cubism, the world mm -hmm. is populated from of well, lots of agents. That sounds very much like a third person view, but but it isn't. There's some very nice way in, in, in which in which Merleau-Ponty brings in other agents as almost a necessity of 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 defining yourself. He has this mm -hmm. view, has this this um, uh, this this thought experiment or the the the, the uh, observation that you cannot see the back of your own head. So in order to, but you clearly you you have a view of yourself as a person. Mm -hmm. uh, how can you have that? And so he says that in order to constitute yourself as an agent, as an as an as a subject, you actually need the you need the perspective of of other subjects. It's 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 another way of saying that um, the subject cannot be thought independent of the world, independently of the world. It goes further and says a subject can actually not think itself independently of other subjects. And in that way, you have um, uh, uh, mm -hmm. multiple, you know, going back to the language of cubism, multiple agents almost as a necessity. Mm -hmm. in, in, in cubism, there's, a, there's another way of, of, of expressing this. There's this big, uh, we always stress that other systems, any other parts of the world have autonomy. So mm -hmm. we, when we write down a quantum state for another system, well, repeating that phrase, 
this only captures my expectations for the consequences of yeah. my of my future actions. It it does not constrain the other system in any way. It's not uh, the 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 uh, that quantum sets together with the laws of quantum mechanics don't tell the other system what to do. The other system has right. fundamental autonomy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that makes sense. So you know there is no. It's not meaningful, at least in the the world that we live in, where we acknowledge there's lots of agents. There's no kind of. It's very anti-idealist in the or anti-solipsist, I, I guess, in that there's no sort of one person who's calling the shots here, right? It's it's co-created by everyone. Um, and I have a couple of nice quotes from from Merleau Ponty, and, and and thanks for um sort of pointing me to him, um, which I thought I'd just throw in here as as some kind of uh, I feel like they they um echo what you were saying so one thing that he said was there, there's no there is no world without a human being or without human beings in the world and i feel that captures this idea that the phenomenologists and also the cubists are neither objective realists in the sense of there being the possibility of a world without without some kind of agent, I guess, or rather the, the world is co-created with kind of external features plus agents together. But it also captures the, the fact that, you know, that there, there is some kind of external reality. It's not just idealism. There is, I guess in Merleau-Ponty's terms, there is this kind of flash, which is linking things. Um, and, and maybe in Cubist terms, that's the actions of, of, of agents. Um, the the other the other quote. I'm just going to see if I can find it here that I have from him. Print down many things. Oh yeah, so it's. I think, and this is maybe more controversial, uh, and and maybe where phenomenolo- phenomenology and, and cubism diverge. But um, Merleau Ponty at some point said that. I think it's in the phenomenology of perception. He he wrote that. Uh, phenomenology is a matter of describing, not of explaining or analyzing. And he kind of clarified, I think, his meaning a bit there by saying, it's a method of returning to the thing themselves, to things in themselves. I guess rather than imposing kind of further structure around those things to explain them. I mean, I, I think you've already stated that Cubist does cubism does seek to be explanatory um but perhaps there's an element of what merleau-ponty is saying here that it's trying to you know phenomenology is trying to describe things in themselves does does that does that feel in the spirit of of cubism if not the idea of laying aside the ambition of explanation well i'm not I'm not an an expert in phenomenology, and so it's a bit I'm not that I feel a little I, some some hesitation to comment more about this. But here's one 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 thing in in any phenomenology phenomenolo- phenomenological <laughs> reconstruction <laughs> of, <laughs> of the world. Uh, so quantum mechanics, excuse me, comes very late. 
it's it's um, it's so uh, cubism only starts quantum mechanics only starts to to, um, to 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 appear when there is an agent and actually it's Congress has to be a physicist has to be a very well educated agent um, who has identified mm-hmm. a system. So there's there's already a very clear split between the subject and the object. The, the the physicist will have to have identified a physical system that to 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 make an experiment on to 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 query in some way write down a quantum state. So this all comes very late in 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 a, in a, in a phenomenolo- phenomenological uh, constitution of the world or so. So in that sense. Um, I must be careful not to not to try to compare these these enterprises too too too, too closely. Uh, phenomenology. So uh, cubism. Here's here's one 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 bit where phenomenology and for, for cubism is in some sense more ambitious or, or maybe has a different starting point. <clears throat> um, phenomenology is is pure philosophy. You just observe your 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 experiences there is this thing called epoche where where you just try to get rid of all your preconceptions and start and start from with a with just your your, your basic your 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 unanalyzed experiences um so cubism we believe that our view of the world, our conception of reality of the world is, well, is really motivated, is almost compelled by quantum mechanics itself. So it's sort of empirical in that way. It's, it, comes, it comes from the particular features of the quantum formalism. And phenomenologists would not say this normally. So we think that there are reasons. If you look at the formula, if you look at quantum mechanics, you can see why we, why we make certain certain choices, and we, and you and you're compelled to a certain view of the world. And so that's the that's the Cubist project. So it is <laughs> it, it is physics more than just it is it is it is physics driving philosophy more than the other way around. Even though as there's of course there should be really. Um, con- con- conversions of ideas, etc. So it's not just one one direction, but but physics plays a major role in that in, the, in that whole enterprise. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, the, the the motivations are different, but they sort of somewhat converge. You know, not completely overlapping. I think are on a similar view of of the world, which is one that you know goes. I guess against the grain of, of, of kind of thousands of years of the kind of traditional way of, of understanding things uh, of an objective reality, and I, you know, I I feel like one needs very strong motivations to to give up that picture. I want to come back to some of the maybe let's sharpen up this intuition a little bit. So so one of the um, one of the things I wanted to touch on was the EPR criterion of, of reality. So yeah. in, in the in the sort of the famous Einstein Rosenpodolsky paper where they they talk about entanglement, they they put down a, a criterion which is something like this. If you can predict with absolute certainty 
the outcome of or, or the or the value of some certain variable, I'm paraphrasing here, then there's some element of reality which kind of corresponds to that that variable. Mm-hmm. And I guess kind of rephrasing that in, you know, in kind of more simple terms, you know, if, if you know, <laughs> you know, I think this comes back actually to this uh, original point around the simplest way of explaining why laws work seems to often be that there's some straightforward way in which those laws are capturing elements of reality. And I think that's the intuition behind the EPI criterion, right? If you can for sure say that something's going to be, you know, that some pointer is going to point at uh, a certain value, then, you know, whatever theory is, uh, you know, whatever that value is, (laughs) it's kind of representing something real about reality. And then, of course, the way that this gets carried through is, well, there are, you can set things up so that you can know with certainty, you know, the values of a quantum state. Uh, and if that's the case, well, isn't isn't the quantum state itself something real? And I, I know there's a, you know, yeah. So how does a cubist kind of th- think about that? Um, well, cubism certainly rejects the EPR criterion of reality yes. for well one reason is that the EPR criterion of reality leads to big trouble in quantum mechanics as we know um, it leads to this idea of non-locality which is very I mean this science fiction sounding idea that you can make a little you can change something here and instantaneously let's say on Sirius or some faraway star something something real changes it's um, that's a direct consequence of the EPR criterion of reality plus quantum mechanics. Yes. So this kind of non-locality, which is, which is, for instance, goes against anything that Einstein believed about the world. There is an, there is an, there is a much simpler way of actually seeing what's wrong with this. It's it's a category mistake. If I believe something with certainty, why does it mean there's something? I mean, I could just be wrong. Uh, it's just my belief, and my belief does not has no hold on the world. So, for a cubist, there is no difference between no fundamental difference between writing down a probability one half for something and probability one. I just right. It just expresses my belief. Probabilities do that, and um, it's. And that, and that seems a seems a very very obvious point that I must not never even I mean even the community of physicists can be wrong about something even if they believe it with with um, with certainty. Probability one is does not mean there's an element of reality connected to it. That's just that's just a categorical mistake. I think that's that. I think that's a strong response. I think that that really captures it. Uh, I I. I've, you know, one still feels, or one might still feel that, you know, there is a justification to have a, a categorical difference between, you know, almost certain of something and just knowing something, mm. right? Based yeah. on based on facts. And but I'll accept. I mean, I, I, yeah. I think this is but like a, a rabbit hole. We can expand this very slightly. So. 
it's it's a very common way of so embedding probability in logic, whereas where where true and false correspond to probability one and zero, and and so regarding probability theory as an extension of logic. Now in that context, it makes perfect sense to identify probability one with truth and and probability zero with 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 falsehood. But in cubism. Um, um, is based on a interpretation of probability, well, in terms of action, decision theory, where probabilities, their role is to inform action, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and so all a probability one then says is it will, really says well you will uh, uh, you will bet all your everything you own. Um, on an outcome because you write on probability one for it, so that's all it means. Mm-hmm. It just it just is um, is a, um, a numerical expression of a of uh, of the kind of action you're willing to take. Yeah, good. And um, before I, I, I think. I want to discuss some other uh, pieces here, but I think this is like an important. Uh, I just want to restate the fact that. I guess this locality problem is is one of the kind of key things that you know cubists would say we're, we're successful on that right. If you want locality, like the many worlds interpretation, that's one of the things we offer. So again, in, in common with many worlds, um, you're both saying um, okay, there's no there's no measurement problem, and there's no issue with locality. Uh, and again, the reasons for making those claims are are completely opposite on, on, on the kind of many, every Aten or, or many worlds view, locality is preserved. Uh, and maybe very briefly, the, the EPR experiment is, you know, have these, these two entangled particles. And it seems naively that if one is on one side of the universe and the other is on the other, and you perform an operation on one, it's going to instantaneously affect the state of the other the many worlds folks will say no there is a you know actually you know things have already by this point kind of split into two branches of the wave function or they're they're splitting as you run the experiment and you discover that in one world you know both particles were already in a kind of aligned set of states let's say and in another world you're just discovering that they were already in a disaligned set so you're you're uncovering facts about um the worlds that that are already kind of that already in here and on the cubist perspective you're saying no there are no facts to be uncovered here about the world we're just updating our beliefs and and therefore there's no kind of instantaneous change in you know, a, a, a state of reality that that's caused by. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> just to, to uh, uh, rephrase this, so the the this entangled state you're talking about between that 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 um, um, uh, is the state of a particle here and a particle in a distant location is always the state of one agent. So, for instance, mm-hmm. if I'm here and I have a particle here and a particle over there. It's my belief about what I would find if I walked over there and made a measurement on the other particle. And so when I make yeah. a measurement here, then I only update my beliefs about what I would find if I walked over to the other particle and made a measurement there. 
so that's how it how, yeah. how, yeah. how fusion uh, um, just gets rid of all that um, all that non-locality uh, nonsense. <laughs> it, it is a very nice explanation. I, I want to come back to another kind of aspect of realism, or, or rather, I guess, argument for there being something real to quantum states, and and it and it goes something like like this, which is that you know if you have you know, un under the Schrodinger equation or, or other equations of quantum mechanics, quantum states evolve through time, even if you're not interacting with them. And the kind of cubist perspective on this seems to entail us to believe something like, or the the following, that, that our, we need to be kind of continuously updating our kind of epistemic beliefs even though we've not received any new information about the world. The only information that we've received is that sort of time has passed. I'm not saying this is a knockdown argument, but I feel that's kind of unintuitive. And in that generally, I can't think of any other examples where we want to update our beliefs unless either we have received new information about things or we feel that there is some time-driven physical process which would be causing things to change independently of, of what we're doing. Is this, you know, do you feel the same difficulty here? Is this something that, that, that cubists need, need to grapple with, or is there a kind of straightforward way of it's, avoiding um, it? It is something that cubists have to, have to address. And we have very clear ideas about about this, but um, um, they are well. Well, they are, I don't have a very good non-technical way of of expressing that. Um, but here's an example of a situation where you actually do change your beliefs. Mm -hmm. Without any actual, well, new information. So it's 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 uh, has to do with a famous, well, insight of uh, the philosopher von Frassen, his 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 reflection principle. It's about you. You are thinking about how you should gamble let's say or how you should act at some future right as, as just said. so basically you are you are trying to to uh, let's say you're 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 forced now to to put down bets on on some events in a, at a future moment and so there are some principles and ideas of of how you can actually formalize that in a in, in a coherent way which do not which uh, bypass or well actually uh, destroy your dichotomy of uh, of updating because something really happens in the world or because you actually had an interaction with the world so you can actually there's 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 interesting ideas in that direction can, can but you, um... i definitely agree it is a it is something that needs that needs attention and, and I... needs and needs further work yeah, I, I feel it. Um, 
I think Harvey Brown at some point commented that sort of what's min- mysterious for most interpretations of, of, of quantum mechanics is the apparent collapse, and and what's so, and that's what they try to that's what they grapple with. And on the Cubist side, it, it seems to be a little bit the reverse, and it's the kind of evolution of things independently of of agents interactions. Yeah. Could, so I don't it's, know if it's, you could... it's, it's evolution. Uh, Cubists would never say the evolution is happening out there in the world because the evolution will always be the, the, the change of an agent's beliefs because, as, because uh, the evolution um, affects state vectors and state vectors are not existing out there in the world. So therefore right. the evolution happens. happens uh, it's, it's about the evolution of the expectations of the agent. And could you and, maybe, I'm not uh, familiar it, with... Sorry, uh, I was uh, going to say. Um, go ahead. <laughs> um, well, all, of, all, of, all I was, was, was going to add is that uh, the way that that happens, and the way Cubis would actually describe this and and uh, answer the question of why should expectations change in this particular way, is something we're working on. Okay, good. Okay, I, I, I'm keen. I don't know if you can um sort of restate the the, the reflection principle of Rand Fashion because I thought that was really interesting as as a potential, you know, just to have an example of of where one might be kind of justified in updating beliefs without there being some sort of new information coming through. Uh and I, I don't I'm not familiar with the principle but did I understand it to be something like one is reflecting, you know, one just thinks hard about things and therefore ends up changing one's strategy. Is is that how it works with, with betting or is it, have I completely so got it wrong? You, what, you, what, what you do is you are, now you consider receiving more additional information, sorry, you are considering now receiving additional information of, or, or doing an experiment in the future. And, right. Um, and so, and that means since you're planning to do this experiment in the future, you already now change your, 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 your betting, uh, strategies for, for these, for, um, well, for events that happen even further in the future. So you consider okay. this intermediate, this intermediate experiment, let's, let's, let's say, and simply by considering this this or by 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 planning considering this intermediate this intermediate experiment in some some way maybe gathering more information you will already change your your um your um commitments now so okay, reflecting that, that sense, sense yeah. means i think reflecting reflecting back from the from the future time to your present, to your present expectations and beliefs. Right. So, yeah, a very it, good but, no, um, I think that makes sense. It, I mean, it's, it, it's certainly more, more um, cashed out than just one thinks hard, right? It's one thinking. It's so they're, carefully they're, in a, in they're, they're very, way. very good um, uh, examples of that in, let's say, things of like option pricing or so, where you, um, where you ask yourself, well, how how much should I pay now for an option that that and 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 the 
for for some some stock option, and it 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 depends on your expectations of the various things that might happen that that might ha- happen in the future. So that is is, is pretty exactly an example of of Van Fasten's reflection um, option pricing. Okay, uh, that, that's interesting. I I'm sort of wondering whether I, I have sort of more arguments of a similar vein as to uh, and um. I'd refer uh, listeners to uh, Harvey Brown's got a a talk on where he talks about sort of plausibility arguments for the for the realism of the wave function. I think he's actually quite. I think he goes on the record as saying none of these are like knockdown arguments either. They're just reasons why there's some explanatory weight to, or appears to be some you know useful work that the wave function is doing for us. I might just kind of trot them out in case you you want to sort of fire them down. Although I think you know we're probably not going to do either the objections or the responses complete justice in the in the time we have. But you know, there's 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 things of you know the type well interference we can understand via the wave function, and then it gives us quite a nice you know explanation for things like the two slit experiment and just thinking in terms of kind of objects that. That feel familiar waves. Another nice one, I think, is, uh, and maybe I'll f- finish with this, is is around the exclusion principle, and that um, so for fermions, so for half integer spins particles, you have obviously uh, they can't occupy, you know, two two identical particles can't occupy the same quantum state, and there's a kind of explanation via the, the wave function which goes well. Fermions are defined by if you if you swap them between two different states, there's a the wave function changes sign, and therefore you can't have two in the same state because you'd have one in the same kind of real state of affairs having both a positive and negative sign because you could kind of swap those two, and you know that would kind of point to well, I, I mean I don't. Again, I think there's probably other ways that one can draft the exclusion principle or ex- possibly explain it. But yeah, curious to get sort of like the you know the brief cubist response to to objections of this type. Well, I have a very a very um, simple and response, which is the explanation you just gave were in terms of wave functions. Now, if 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 a cubist agent if 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 the cubist agent writes down these wave functions, then exactly the same explanation will be will be available to him. Uh, the cubist, the wave function expresses the cubist belief about about <laughs> the system, and then as a consequence of that, you um, you um, you find you find you find the exclusion because because the exclusion principle comes f- is basically a property of the wave function you write down. Okay, so so I guess the I mean explanation, say, well, I can't... explanation works slightly different in cubism. Yes, cubism would say the following: people always always demand explanation. Cubism says explicitly we don't explain. We just we just well, it's, it's just a get, guide to action. But you could actually argue the following: so imagine I have a web of beliefs which. Obviously, it's not just something writing something down and pulling it out of a hat, but it comes from very hard work and taking taking. I mean, you have to learn physics. You have to really work very hard to get a, get a consistent mesh of beliefs because what the the the, 
the normative rule is very demanding. It tells you you have to be consistent. And there's lots of information, lots of measurement results, lots of theoretical um, 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 considerations, and you have to work very hard to make them all into a consistent measure of belief. Of, from, from all this come, come, come the wave functions you assign to particular systems. And now you uh, predict something to happen with probability close to one. And then the, well, the, the typical um, sort of challenge to Cubans says, so, so here you have something. How do you explain this? <laughs> and the Cubans will answer, what do you mean? I, I, um, why should I be surprised? I predict that this is happening with almost, with almost certainty. So what more explanation do I need? I would be surprised if it didn't happen. Then I would have to think back and look look at my look at my assumptions, etc. But if if all this big normative enterprise of coming up with a consistent picture leads me to a probability close to one, and then the thing happens, there's nothing further to explain. Yeah, I, I think that's like a what this comes down to is maybe what is it that we expect our explanations to do, and if we're expecting them to sort of remove surprise, then uh, yeah, clearly that you know. Cubism works, right? Because you wouldn't be surprised in that in that sense. But I, I think that sometimes we're demanding something more of them, which is not just sort of telling us what we should expect to see, but actually sort of grounding that in something, yeah, in, in, in some elements that are out there. So I, 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 I think you can kind of, maybe depending on your theory of explanation, it might affect whether you kind of the, the attraction for cubism versus other interpretations does, does that sound right well yes but i also would say that cubism very much wants to ground things into something bigger and in, in into 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 a picture of the world and uh, it's just in a sense is is more ambitious we don't want to ground it simply in a well in a mechanism that that uh explains or describes everything that physics has to deal with sorry physics physics deals with which actually i mean i believe is only a small part of the world so that's maybe the biggest difference for cubist physics quantum mechanics physics is a small theory it's it has a specific role it's extremely successful in what it's doing but it's not. It's not everything there is. There is not the whole world, and so cubism's big project, the philosophical project, is to say, well, we physics physics tells us a lot, and it's 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 it. Um, and what does it tell us about this this bigger world, the, the world beyond physics? And the the premise is there is that physics is a small theory, which is. Uh, of course, diametrically opposite to lots of other approaches, which hope to, well, uh, to find to to to, uh, which hope that physics in some sense, some sense captures the whole and everything else is emerged. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah, I I think there's you know something very humanistically attractive about cubism in in that sense that and and I I kind of goes back to your comments earlier that. You know the the universe is um, is unfinished, right? Whereas in like a multiverse approach or many other ideas, you, you can kind of think of it as this great static thing in 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 time, which in some emergent manner is is producing 
well, sorry, it's not even in time. It's just outside of time, right? But in some emergent manner is, is, is producing within us the perception that things are going on. <laughs> but in another sense, it's, it's already determined and, and, and written, right? I, I do find that is a kind of attractive viewpoint, certainly. I, I somewhat worry that its, it's seduction is kind of leading on away from the real you know, parsimonious theory, which would be, you know, and it's unusual to call many worlds theory parsimonious because it posits a lot of worlds. But in other ways, it is parsimonious in, in terms of not sort of stepping outside of that physics viewpoint of things and just saying, well, all we have is is kind of the normal sort of stuff that we've been thinking about for, for thousands of years. And we don't need to introduce this this new element of, uh, you know, where the world and, and the agent touch. Um, it, I, I'm curious, do you have, yeah, aside from maybe the kind of palatability of some of the consequences of, of, of many worlds, um, do you have kind of other objections to it or what does it all sort of derive from? Okay, well, it's just, I know that some people find, find comfort in the idea of, of the world being deterministic um, and, um, well, really, quantum mechanics to, to be all there is. Now, there I can really say much against. One key objection for me is, I mean, there are there are problems in in details in, for instance, what uh, the number of branches, what exactly triggers yeah. branching, all kinds of things which are do nothing have been worked out. There is a there is a big problem for me, and I've once contributed to a, to a paper about that. Actually, understanding and interpreting probability in many worlds. Um, right. I know that. Uh, many world's proponents believe the problem has been solved or disagree with that, but we cannot really, I think, get into that that, that now. The problem is if everything behaves deter deterministically and and everything happens at once, what's what's the point yeah. of probability? Is what 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 yeah, do? And yeah. Of course, I know I know the attempted answers, but they're also um, also rebuttals to these attempted answers. Then there is. I believe what's a total lack of, so it's, it's probably asking too much of many worlds, but it's probably, I, mean, I, 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 don't, think, I don't think it's unreasonable. So you start with this conception of having a, 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 a wave function of the universe and a time evolution of, of that. Well, that's just really, if you, uh, it's probably too technical a term, but this is a Hilbert space, it's just a vast dimension of Hilbert space in a single vector in there that sort of rotates a particular way. Now, it seems to me that there's no way, just if you're, if you're, if, if you're, if you're given that, there's no way of, uh, of getting to, to, um, down to the actual world, world we see in all its richness. So uh, uh, I believe that many worlds has to cheat and has to take the world as it's given to us, and all its all its 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 marvelous richness and beauty and so on, as as um, as a starting point and given, even though it uh, claims that the starting point that was really there is this abstract thing out there. 
So I think that's cheating. But that's okay. just my, uh, none of these are, of course, knockout arguments or anything. Uh, there is one one way, uh, I mean, we're not going to decide this now, but here is mm -hmm. one very good reason of for taking cubism uh, seriously. It exists. It's a possible possibility. It's it's empirically adequate. So but just by doing physics, you're not going to be able to, because um, interpretation of quantum mechanics, as long as they are coherent and consistent, make the same predictions. So therefore, yeah. uh, there's no way of doing experiments to distinguish between them. No, just the very fact that, that there exists interpretation of quantum mechanics, cubism, which uh, according to which the world is unfinished and and much richer than what uh, what physics alone alone can 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 tell you about is I think exciting, and as you know as I said I believe that there are very strong reasons in the quantum formalism to go towards cubism. So actually it's it's more than that. It's, for, for me it's it's there's uh, the uh, arguments for cubism are much stronger than just saying well it is a possibility which is entirely consistent with everything we know but but even if you had, had only that if you only knew cubism is a possible version of quantum mechanics then that that means you should actually really look into it because it's it it it, it paints a world which is very different and and actually very exciting very different from the one that's painted by the same many worlds yeah i think that's a I, I'm going to say that there's a, for me, a very loose analogy here with kind of Pascal's wager in that you may not have sort of, I mean, as you said, there's like, there's arguments coming from the quantum formalism itself that, that motivate cubists to take this perspective. But there's like also a, a separate tug, which is the one for me, somewhat analogous to, to Pascal's wager, which is that it, just gives us a nicer view of the world <laughs> in terms of or one that's maybe more comforting i i don't want to be provocative in, in the use of that word i mean or, or or liberating perhaps is a better word to use certainly one which makes agency uh, not just an emergent rather tricky thing to explain but a kind of fact within the world even though agents, as you say, can be themselves subjected to analysis by other agents, there's something special about agency and and, and it's what makes the world unfinished. Mm. I buy that. <laughs> I, yeah. I like the I like the the feeling of that view. Even though I feel like, as I said, I'm being seduced away from something uh, which is maybe uh, sort of more realistic. Uh, another point, actually, I just want to get in another point here. I heard Dean Rickles' comment, and I don't know how strongly he subscribes to this or if it was a throwaway sort of comment, that one can kind of view the different interpretations of quantum mechanics as, as if you like, having the status of, of different coordinate systems within relativity or let's say kind of different gauges so as you say there's no necessarily empirical difference between most of them some of them do have make different empirical claims but most most agree on the predictions that you'll get out of quantum mechanics at every level so there's kind of a question well what are we arguing over right <laughs> you know 
Of course, I think we both feel that we are arguing over something substantive. Uh, and maybe that's the biggest kind of agreement between all the different people trying to interpret this, that it's not just enough to get the predictions. One is the cubist, the, the Everettian, uh, you know, even the, the hidden variables folks are trying to look for those kind of elements of reality. And we're just disagreeing on what, on, on what they are, those kind of explanatory factors. Yeah, so I, I don't know how much sympathy you have for this kind of view of, of, of things as just, or interpretations just as coordinate changes of, of, of reference. But I, I feel like we agree these are, these are important questions. Yes. No, actually, I don't, don't, I, I don't agree because if you... Uh, sorry, I don't agree with, the, with Dan Rickles' uh, point of, of these just all being uh, just coordinate transformations and just looking at the same thing from a different angle because the the i think one of the big differences between cubism and mostly all the others interpretations or the majority of them is that cubism does not think of quantum mechanics as being a description of the world in any way and also not mm -hmm. exhausting the world it's a small theory whereas all the others are big theories they actually try to capture the whole Whereas, whereas cubism, cubism, cubism uh, quantum mechanics only captures a, a small, a small thing. So therefore, I don't think that this 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 coordinate transformation view is 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 correct here. But so, yeah. yeah I mean, um, I think that's another point. The reason I, I, why we're arguing was because we want to we want to learn what the world is like, and yeah. um, and. So we are trying to explore as much as possible, well, what worldviews are compatible with quantum mechanics, because we all believe that quantum mechanics is correct in a, or is, 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 is an almost successful theory. And, um, and uh, so we want to know how, well, uh, what, what does it tell us about the world? And we come to yeah. different answers there, but. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we start at the same set you know, point in that, you know, quantum mechanics is itself sort of not wearing its interpretation or its meaning on its sleeve. I, I sometimes think of William Harvey's theory of blood uh, circulation as just like an ex a great example of a theory where the predictions and the claims on reality are sort of so transparent that there's kind of no divergence between the two. Whereas quantum mechanics is this thing where everyone's agreeing on the predictions, but the claims about reality seems to be disagreeing, sometimes very acrimoniously as well. But yeah, I, I think again, yeah, it's it's important to take seriously this business of, of, of trying to figure out actually, you know, what is behind uh, that predictive success. I wanted to, I mean, you sort of ahead of being or, you know, prior to, to, to taking this role within Cubism and, and developing that program, you know, are a professor of mathematics and have worked many years on, on quantum information and um, quantum cryptography. It, has cubism changed your practices as a scientist in 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 that role or or given them a different flavor that's a very good question and actually this is one thing where i think we can 
we might be able to distinguish between interpretations in a different way. So an interpretation is leading you towards the kind of questions you might ask. So the mathematical theorems or the mathematical questions concerning quantum mechanics that you work on or that you find interesting depend on your interpretation. And so mm -hmm. you can ask what what interpretation is most fruitful in terms of the um, of the uh, what well, questions it, it it suggests and questions which are important. And so uh, one of the theorems that I that uh, came out of cubism that I proved together with Chris Fuchs and Carl Caves, the quantum definitive theorem is a very good example of that. So the, the quantum definitive theorem um, tries to answer the question, what do we mean when we talk about an unknown quantum state? So if you think of the quantum state as something out there in the world, then it's obvious what you mean. Well, there is a system, it's got an, uh, what the quantum state is just unknown, we want to find it out. Uh, in a in, in cubism, that you cannot that's not available to you because the quantum state is always an agent's uh, well, bundle of expectations, if you like, and personal to that agent. So what what do you mean by it? And so the quantum definitive theorem answers that question in a operational way and shows exactly what what assumptions what assumptions you make in order to uh, uh, so that the mathematics that people use to find the unknown quantum state applies. So it identifies exactly what assumptions are behind the very idea of an unknown quantum state. And uh, and so that's that's a that's a that's, so yeah that's that's a it's a right answer to your question. This is something where mm -hmm. my uh, my interest in interpretation has directly affected uh, the kind of work I did. And there are other examples of that. It also yeah, I think it's a... is uh, the quantum definitive theorem also goes goes further. See, science uh, relies very strongly on this notion of repeatable experiment. Now, any right. experiment will tell you that the repeatable experiment is not is is not a an obvious primitive because you have to work extremely hard to make sure the conditions are the same and it's actually not even totally defined what that exactly means because um, well, there's a, a, a lot of circularity in there so there's no way that the idea of repeatability is just obvious and you just look at it and and and, and define it and so the the assumptions in the quantum definitive theorem are actually, in some sense, you can say that they're very precise mathematical assumptions that characterize what you mean by a repeatable or by a repeated experiment. So a bold claim would be that cubism, and it's a bold claim, is in that sense more fruitful than other interpretations because it leads to more interesting mathematical questions. But I'm sure you could uh, you could you could rebut that in some way. So. I mean, I think I think the weaker claim, and uh, I doubt many would disagree with this, is that there's value in in having a multiplicity of interpretation. So, in the spirit of Dean Rickles' comment, you know, while I think it's important to acknowledge that there are significant differences between these interpretations, that doesn't mean they should be, you know we should put all our efforts into one of them. And I feel there's probably, you know, there's different research programs being 
encouraged by the different interpretations. I think the many worlds folks would point to um, quantum computing itself as something that's quite naturally suggested. And I think David Deutsch did this from the kind of from that interpretation and it gives you a nice handle on on, on, on what seems to be going on in in, in quantum computers yeah, and i'm sure yeah. you can kind of re rephrase that and, and and say well you know the cubist perspective we can account for that too but it's more that you know they suggest different ways of thinking about things and, and well, probably yeah. provoke one yeah i don't i i I'm a great fan of a paper by, I think, Andrew Steen with the title, A Quantum Computer Needs Only One World. But, mm. uh, <laughs> but it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting debate on whether quantum, on whether many worlds really, really um, uh, gives you a better handle on quantum computing. I don't believe so, but I don't think we can get, can, can get into that here. I think that, yeah, I, I, I think that's right. Like, and I'd say the many worlders would say, well, we, we we might have gone along to to looking at you know some of the problems in in mathematics that the you know have been inspired by the cubist approach. Uh, actually, Andrew Steen was one of my lecturers when I was at Oxford, so I sort of remember him. Uh, although we never got to that level of <laughs> uh, discussion in, in his lectures, but um, I, I wanted to ask one other sort of. So I've asked the question how it's um, affected you, sort of professionally. It, Bigger question: How how has cubism changed your view of yourself and uh, and of humans in general? Ah, oh, well, that is a. I'm sort of asking you to summarize everything that you said <laughs> in, in, in a sense. I I am I am a more a more. I'm more certain in my belief that that I, as a human being, are autonomous and and free, and that, that I'm a free agent, and that I have have well, I have free will, or that I am an autonomous agent in the world, and I'm not affected by all the arguments that people constantly. Besides, and sort of in in, in in the press and in articles and the discussions, that physics actually tells us no, it's, not, it's all an illusion. That's a it's a it's in popular culture. It's a very powerful idea. Physics, everything, uh, um, the world, whole world um, um, evolves according to physical law. Therefore, well, free will, human agency, is just an illusion, and it's a powerful idea. It's 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 very often quoted. And it's if you if you have a traditional view of physics, it's seductive, it's worrying, and I have left this completely behind. I just believe in 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 human agency and and uh, and, and, uh, and the fundamental role for 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 us in the world. Yeah, in, a, in an unfinished that's... world, in an unfinished world that I can actually that I can potentially um, well change in. Probably only minor ways, but um... I think it's, it's it's a lovely sentiment, and I I mean I I agree. I think we do have agency, we do have free will, but the route I get there is 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 very different, and it's sort of the same sort of route as one would use for explaining I don't know why it makes sense to believe in I don't know 
sheep or something given that sheep are just loads of you know what, what physics doesn't say anything about sheep <laughs> like why, why, why should we believe in them but i i will warrant that it seems that the cubist picture you know again provokes that or encourages that thought in a much more direct way than other interpretations yeah i i can't think i mean i think this is a good and positive note to to finish on that you know, we're finishing this podcast, but it could end in many different ways. Like in these last, the universe is, is, is not written. We're co-creating it right now. We're participating in realism, but not in a sort of us being in a box sort of way. <laughs> we're pushing on the walls of it. Yeah, it's it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, Rudiger. And, you know, I, I know there was some kind of trepidation about meeting someone from the other side of the, <laughs> the the chasm, as it were, um, the abyss between uh, interpretations. But I feel like we have a lot in common, right? We we agree that this is an important thing to think about. You know, we go very different routes from there. But I, I found this a really interesting discussion. I, I thought so too. Thanks, thanks a lot for asking good questions, and it was a very good experience. Thank you. Thank you.